Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Cool Mom 101. I'm your host, Emily Kylo, coming at you with another juicy episode of the Cool Mom 101 podcast. I'm talking to Genevieve, who is the emotional support witch. So she is an amazing doula, and she is here to nurture the matriarchy, nourish you, and change the freaking world. How amazing is that, you guys? So for this conversation with Genevieve, we talked so many amazing topics that everyone is going to want to pay attention to. So we talked about what a womb witch means, which I absolutely loved. We talked what the matriarchy is, what it means, and why it's something we should all care about. We talked about how women can see birth as a source of power and how that can look. We talk about how birth looks different and also sometimes the same during COVID. And she gives some tips to really support women during this time. We also talked about the importance of postpartum planning and just why it's so key to make sure you have certain things in place. And again, she gives really amazing specific tips on that. So let's get to it. Here's episode 44 with Genevieve, the emotional support witch. Welcome to the show, Genevieve. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. My pleasure. (laughs) And y'all can't see this, but Genevieve has a real cute, legit mic in front of her. Her partner set her up with some good swag, so she's looking real profesh. We are ready to roll profesh as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Which I always appreciate. (laughs) So let's get going on these opening questions here. What is your daily ritual? So what keeps you kind of grounded? Maybe it's the beginning of the day, end of the day. Take your pick. Yeah, definitely. So I do, especially in quarantine, I have uh, fostered a more like concrete daily ritual that I tend to every day. Um, But I also, in my kind of witchcraft, um, I really like to emphasize ritualizing the daily stuff, you know, the stuff that isn't as glamorous. So, and I think that all kind of comes down to bringing intention into it. And so whether that's washing the dishes and, you know, thinking through like letting, you know, the gratitude of that meal settle over you and just kind of washing the kind of garbage of the day down the drain, stuff like that. But as far as my actual daily ritual goes, um, I get up and I take a nice hot shower and I actually, that's another part where I'm bringing the intention into it is just kind of a refresh for the day and letting whatever isn't serving me wash down the drain. (laughs) Um, Yeah. See ya girl. Bye. Um, And then, 
hot coffee. <laughs> hot coffee is a, a really good start to the day. Um, and then I like to give myself time to read fiction every morning. Um, I set a timer, even if I feel like I don't really have time for it. I set like a 20 minute timer and I read something that's going to boost my creativity and just kind of center me feeling good for the day. Um, and then I have time at my altar and I have really been working at cultivating a relationship with my ancestors. Um, so I take time just to like light a candle, let them know I'm thinking of them and thank them for, you know, doing what they did to get me here today um, and for watching out for me. And that always just makes me feel really good and it's like a big hug from the universe. Um, and then I do some tapping and I make a breakfast that like really makes me smile. And that's, yeah, that's how I get my, my day started. What a beautiful start to the day. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you are the kind of girl that has an altar because I too am that kind of girl. <laughs> I love, I, it's always changing and growing and, um, but yeah, I love, I love my altar space. I love having just that, I have like a corner in my office where that's my house plants and my crystals and my, <laughs> uh, my partner knows if I'm sitting in front of it, like, Shh, wait. <laughs> yeah, do not, that's your do not disturb sign. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> I love with altars too. It doesn't have to be complicated. Like you said, it's in the corner of your office. Mine is on like this big, beautiful windowsill that I have. So one of those yes. box windows. So you don't have to feel like you need some, you know, specific like place away from everything. It's really whatever you want to make it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's really helpful for moms, especially, um, especially with little ones. You know, sometimes you can't have like a full bookshelf or whatever that's dedicated to, uh, to that space when, you know, you've got like small crystals and stuff like that. Sometimes the windowsill like above reach is the perfect, the perfect spot. <laughs> totally. And it's funny, Leo sometimes is a little interested and he'll try and, you know, poke around and I'm like, pause off kid. <laughs> <laughs> not today <laughs> that's my space get out no I'm glad he's drawn to the crystals but you know <laughs> yeah. start him early <laughs> yeah totally so what are you most grateful for in your life right now I am really grateful for I don't know a lot of things right right now especially uh, that's a phrase that I'm getting like more and more bored of right now especially in the age of COVID and 2020 but uh recently it's just been my the courage that I'm tapping into in myself in showing up more on podcasts on Instagram lives in my business um and in my life with my my friends and family just to to speak up more about what I think is important um and for me, that centers hugely on uh, on women and birth, but also with the upcoming elections and stuff like that. It's uh, yeah, just finding grateful to be finding my courage and my voice and and showing up more. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks. Throat chakra wide open. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and we were we were just uh, just to throw this in here. We were you know talking beforehand about. Uh, expletives but like I think the word fuck is one of the best ways to clear your throat chakra you know <laughs> just what? throw it out there I agree with you there's mm -hmm. nothing I feel like that feels better than like like we were talking about the perfect placement of a real good fuck sometimes it's a like, real good mm. fuck yep it's <laughs> in there so good <laughs> but that's really awesome and this is a thing I think for women in general there's often 
the tendency to be a little smaller with your voice at times if you're worried it's going to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. And I think it's amazing when women step up like you, this is a thing. It opens up that permission, not that we need it, but it shows other women, anyone who sees you doing it, yes, they can do that too. And there's no need for them to play small or try and play safe if there's something they have to say. Yeah, absolutely. My most recent mantra has been, I've had a couple, but one of them is just that it is safe for me to burn brightly. It's safe for me, you know, it's safe for me to show up and be loud and bright. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's clearly a part of who you are. And so one of my favorite quotes is don't let anyone dull your sparkle. (laughs) It's like that. (laughs) You gotta shine bright if that's what's in you. I love that. Yeah. Including yourself too. I feel like most of us, I mean, it, it may be f- influenced by uh, the opinions of others, but I feel like we're, many of us are our own worst sparkle dullers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, oh yeah. yeah. You need to get out of your own way most of the time, more often than not. You're creating yeah. all the stories and blocks yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. You Get out of the way. Easier said than done, I know, but it's worth it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what is your why for your life? So what gets you up in the morning? Why do you do the amazing work you do with women? What's your why? Yeah, I like to say that women are my why. Um, And it is my honor and job um, to facilitate a space where women understand how powerful they are. Because I believe that when women like really know, intimately know their power, that's when we change the world. And so that's, you know, that is, my job is to facilitate that space for women to know their power and change the world. Oh, that gave me tingles. I love that. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. So let's get started right into what your business is. So for those listening who don't know you yet, what's your business and how did you get started? So what's your origin story there? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a birth doula. I am the emotional support witch. Um, I'm a birth doula and what I like to call a womb witch. Um, And my origin story, I, in my early 20s, really didn't know what the plan was, uh, like many folks in their early twenties. And, uh, I, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, I was studying anthropology and I took an elective course on the anthropology of motherhood, uh, and looking at motherhood across cultures. And that's where I was just briefly introduced to midwives and doulas, um, and birth work in general. And I just fell head over heels immediately. Um, And I think it was a combination of that's kind of what triggered it or what flipped the switch in my brain. Um, But I also attribute it partly to my relationship with my mom growing up um, and the kind of birth that she had. Uh, And so I started, I took a a doula course back in 2015, 2016, um, and just kind of threw myself into it. And here we are. Um, I've practiced in Florida and North Carolina. Uh, I spent a part of a year in Indonesia working with a really incredible midwife over there. Um, 
and just kind of learning under her wing. And then I moved out to Portland, Oregon in the fall of 2018. I've been here almost two years at this point. Um, and the plan at that point was to become a midwife. Um, I was applying for the uh, doctorate in nurse midwifery uh, at one of the programs here. And in the process of that, I had a lot of time to, I was working as a postpartum doula and I had a lot of time, like quiet time where I was listening to podcasts while I was, you know, cooking meals for them and stuff like that. And just did a lot of introspection and, and soul digging and realized that midwifery is incredible. It's an incredible profession and I love almost all of the midwives that I meet. Um, but the clinical side of birth is not what lights me up. Uh, it's really, really, really important, obviously. Um, but yeah, charting and the clinical side of things, just that's not my calling. And I realized that it's the, the transformational end of birth, uh, is really what lights me up. And that's kind of the, my bread and butter. So, uh, yeah, so it's been uh, not super long. It was right before COVID hit in March, February, March, where I was really throwing myself uh, into my doula business here in Portland. And um, yeah, things are, are going good. And I, uh, it's been a weird year for all of us. But <laughs> um, yeah, well, what here we are. Do? Yeah, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> So something that I heard you say that I just love, and I would love if you could explain exactly what that means, is the term womb witch. Yes, I would love to go into that. <laughs> um, so I consider myself a wit, and like that's its own podcast episode, right? It's like, <laughs> what, what does it mean to be a witch? But I consider myself a witch who draws her power from her womb and from my divine feminine um, and my magic from my womb as well. And so a huge part of my job in that realm is, or in, in that respect is teaching other women first. I mean, first of all, learning myself how to consistently draw power from that place. Um, and then secondly, as I am learning that to teach that to other women. Um, and so that looks like, teaching women how to really get embodied and drop into the space of, uh, you know, our, our body in this realm, as opposed to getting stuck up in our head. Um, it looks like, uh, you know, just helping women recognize the power that is inherent in our cycles and our emotions and, you know, the kind of the watery emotions and, uh, feminine that is inherent in us. And I think so often that side of us is portrayed as weak to the point where we believe it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really critical that we start to kind of flip that and look at it in a different lens uh, as a source of our strength. So, Absolutely. And to mm. me, I think that was a huge part of my journey with pregnancy and birth and even afterwards is really understanding the power 
that is inherent within me, like you said, and understanding the huge, immense amount of power that I have simply for being a woman, essentially. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. absolutely. And I think recognizing those aspects of ourselves that we have been trained to understand as weak or less than. So like, uh, I guess my favorite personal example is when I like totally break down into a, a weeping mess <laughs> that like half of me knows it's hormones, but half of me thinks it's, you know, because the dishes didn't get done or something like that. <laughs> um, but recognizing that like the power of those emotions, that it's not just something that's happening to us, it is part of us. And it actually has so much that it can teach us uh, about ourselves and the way that we are in the world. Um, and then I also think that understanding that our wombs are this place of they're the seed of our creativity um, in a literal sense in, you know, when we're creating people, uh, but also in the sense of when we're creating art or we're creating poetry or we're creating our businesses. It is when we can tap into that part of our bodies and that part of our beings, that's where we can like really get, get the juicy creativity flowing. Absolutely. And speaking of the real, you know, power of women, I was also curious to talk to you about matriarchy and what that kind of means to you. And then also why you think it's something, because I know you think this probably, <laughs> something we should all give a shit about and care about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So matriarchy is like, a, a tricky kind of nuanced topic because we're coming at it from a place where most of us are familiar with the patriarchy, right? We're familiar with the system that we're living in. And the matriarchy, if you if you look it up on Google, you're going to get that it's a social system where women hold the primary power positions. So in roles of political leadership, uh, moral authority, and like social privilege. And so it's really easy for us to kind of freak out that it's just this reversal of power in a way that um, that is detrimental in the same way that the patriarchy is. But that's not the case. Like, it's completely different. Um, and it, it does scare a lot of folks. But when I think when I think about that, I think it illuminates the fact that we can't even imagine a social system that is different from what we're living in right now, that's different from the patriarchy in which folks who are in power are hurting others <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, doing damage to uh, better themselves and their lives. Um, and so the matriarchy is really, it is a reversal in a sense uh, of the way that we're used to doing things. But when women are in power, we circulate money in really healthy ways. Uh, that's another one of my soapboxes is that women like do not be afraid to get wealthy as fuck <laughs> because you're going to do good things with your money um, and you're going to put good people in power. You can, you know, contribute to politicians that are out there doing really good work. Um, 
but you know, so we're going to, we're going to circulate money. We're going to, we're going to circulate just wealth in general. Um, and there is that element to womanhood and this is making a big generalization, but we're really nourishing, uh, nurturing people, beings. And so when we have that power and you can look at examples, I didn't do my homework in terms of, um, societies or cultures that are a more matriarchal um, society but or system but in those cultures the women that are in power take care of their community um, and so yeah I think it's really important that we nourish the matriarchy um, as much as we take down the patriarchy because it is a system that is going to take care of all of us Yes, absolutely. And I think you made a lot of great points there that it can be a little bit scary in a way for people to think like, holy shit, we're just completely flipping everything. But as you mentioned, generally speaking, women tend to be more community-minded, be less likely to start physical conflict or even other conflict. Um, and I'm not saying women don't start the conflict. I just, in general, the communication style of women tends to make it a little easier to work through things. That's again, very generally speaking, but it's definitely something I think we should all start thinking about. And I was at a retreat, uh, last week, an entrepreneurship and kind of leadership retreat. And something that one of the facilitators opened my mind up to is the idea of decolonization and how that can occur in motherhood motherhood as well. And I thought that's mm -hmm. a really interesting kind of idea to start thinking about for everyone is that we don't have to do everything the exact same way it's quote unquote always been done. Whether and especially you have that power as mothers too to just say, you know what, like this is my birth, this is the way I'm going to do it. Just because it's been said I have to do these x y and z I'm going to do what feels aligned and best for me. And then as you go into motherhood, same thing. And if you have a relationship, why is it that you're doing all the emotional labor and childcare, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We don't need to continue on that way. And I'm not saying it's going to snap and flip overnight, but I think the more we can get these conversations going, the more women can really stand in their power. And again, we're not saying fuck all men. It's just, what can we do to kind of create a better balance and more space for women and especially mothers to really do what's right for them. And I mean, their children too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I love that idea of uh, decolonizing birth and, and motherhood in general, but um, yeah, it's really important to, to take a look at those, uh, patterns and and things that are just so ingrained in us and start to break them down and that's a huge part of the work that I do as a doula and that uh, that I love doing as a doula is asking those really big conf usually confronting questions about like okay let's take a look at your relationship with your partner and why you feel obligated to do all of these things and be a super mom and not ask for help um, or you know, why you feel like you don't have a voice in this relationship uh, power dynamic between yourself and your provider. Um, big, big questions like that, that we don't necessarily think to ask ourselves, um, but they, 
make a huge, huge impact on our experience moving into motherhood. Definitely. Um, Absolutely. And I think for, from speaking from my experience, being able to at least take a look at those subjects before, (laughs) which like you said, is part of your work as a doula. It's, it's important because when the baby gets there, it is not the time to start thinking about, you know, who's going to wash the dishes and who's going to do the laundry or whatever, all those things that need to get done in a household. It's really not the time. That's the time for rest and bonding, in my opinion, rest, bonding with your baby and that's it. (laughs) So it's not the time. (laughs) 100%. I am. Yeah. 100%. And it's just really, there are other things on your mind at that point that you don't need to be worried about. Um, yeah the logistics of things. And it's really helpful to, to take care of that beforehand. Definitely. Absolutely. So for me, birth, I would say in my labor was an amazing experience. I had such a good experience and mm. yeah, it's, it, and I do like to tell my story because I feel like there's, when I was pregnant, I was really lacking a lot of those stories I was like, well, where's the, where's the possibility? And I'm not here to say that your birth is going to go exactly the same as mine. It's just, I think having that in your psyche that this is possible for you. I'm just an, you know, average woman like you, it's possible for you. Um, so for me, like I said, it was, it was a really transformational and amazing, beautiful experience. And definitely speaking about power, I don't think I've ever felt so powerful as during labor, giving birth, and even pregnancy, because I was like, I I actually had thoughts sometimes, like, I grew a liver today, or what, you know, like, yes, yeah, (laughs) that's fucking powerful, I don't know what to say to you, like, you, you're growing human limbs as you're walking around in your daily life, like, that's magic to me, so I was curious to hear from you, how do you really help women see birth as that source of power, if they maybe didn't come to it the way I did kind of naturally my own way, I definitely kind of came to it as I was pregnant, that this is something that can be a source of power for women. So how do you work with women that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I see birth as like, I have a, a really distinct visual of it. That's just this like inter like swirly sparkly interdimensional uh portal essentially and it exists regardless of what you think about birth so you can go into birth you know with a scheduled cesarean with a you know going all crunchy granola natural like it doesn't matter how you're approaching birth um you can be terrified of it you can be really excited about it that portal is still going to exist and cause like, think about it, we're literally, we're bringing new life into the world that didn't exist before that. Um, and it's energy in this portal that we can choose to utilize or not. Um, and so I see, I see it as this portal that we can approach with our eyes closed and it's perfectly safe to do that. You know, you can go into birth with like, we're having a baby bing, bang, boom. That's, that's what it's about. And that's fine. Um, and that's, I mean, truly like without any shade or judgment, it is completely safe and okay to approach it that way. The clients that I work with, um, work with me because I understand that it has the power to do more than that. If you want it to do more than that, 
it's accessible to us. Um, and so using this experience that is really challenging, whether or not, you know, there's debate on to like, oh, it doesn't have to hurt or like, it's going to hurt, but you'll <laughs> learn something. <laughs> Regardless of that, it is a really challenging experience. And I think one of the most beautiful things about it, like you said, is that you feel so powerful because you're doing this really hard thing and you're doing it beautifully. And one of my uh, biggest jobs as a doula, I think, is to serve as a mirror to my clients. And so they can see, because when you're in the, when you're in the thick of it, you're just like, fuck, this is hard. <laughs> this sucks. I want it to be over. Um, often, not always, but often. <laughs> uh, and so I serve as a mirror to show them what a beautiful job they're doing and how to like, you know, when you, I don't know if you see like a video or a picture of yourself and you're like, oh fuck, I look good. <laughs> or like, Or you see other women you see other women birthing and you're like, wow, she looks so powerful. And when you're in that, you don't necessarily feel it the whole time. Um, but if I can serve as that mirror for you so that you can see just how miraculous what you're doing is, I find that that's, that's like the key. That's, that does everything for you. Um, it's really just kind of shining your light back onto you. I love that. I mean, yeah. I had a doula and interestingly, the doula who was at my birth wasn't the doula I had planned to have at my birth. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I went into labor early, I had never even met the kind of sub-in doula, but it didn't even matter. This was what was honestly amazing. She got right in there and she's done this so much that she got right in there, like right on the bed with me and was just like helping me breathe. And she just... I always say she's like a real live angel because I think I would have been able to do it without her, but I don't think it would have been as enjoyable. I'll put it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So she really did support me and I just thought it was amazing that I didn't even know her before. <laughs> and here this woman is just like really holding me and just getting me through that last part. It's like I said, I know that women have the power. We could probably just, you know, do this birth thing even by yourself, like I swear we could do it. But mm -hmm. having that person there who just, I don't know, could see, like you kind of were saying, could see things I couldn't. And just, she kind of helped me with breathing in almost a, a pattern. And I just remember I was a bit out of my trance at that time. And I was like, okay, that's good. This is helpful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we got this. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I always recommend people to get, get a doula. And then I didn't get a postpartum doula, but really wish I had. And that's the thing I would do differently next time. But I would never go into birth without, without a doula. Um, yeah. That's for sure. And I think one misconception, I don't know if you hear this often, but it was a misconception with my friends. Because I had a home birth, and I think some people think that doulas are only available for home birth. And I just want people to know that that's not true. I think whatever you, to me, I look at the doula as they're going to really support those decisions that you have made about your birth as best they can. Like I always felt like the doula was my advocate as well. You know, if they were going to try and do interventions that I said I really didn't want, I felt like she would be there to back me up. Not that I wouldn't, if something was an emergency, of course, and I always kept an open mind that it might not go the way 
I wanted Mm -hmm. to, but I really felt so supported knowing that the doula would be there to kind of back me up. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. And I think that is one of the, yeah, one of my most frequently asked questions is like, do you just support, uh, do you just support home births? And it's funny, my best friend who has known me through this journey and like, listen me talk her ear off about birth work for uh, five years at this point, um, asked me like a month ago, she was like, well, like I couldn't have a doula if I was at the hospital. Right. And I was like, girl, no, (laughs) have you not been listening? But it's okay. I mean, it's yeah, a very common misconception. Um, but yeah, doulas absolutely will support you at home birth. Um, I think it, it just happens to correlate in that way that a lot of women who are having home births are aware um, and or have access to a doula. Um, but I would argue that if you're at a hospital, you need a doula even more. Um, and yeah, doulas absolutely support home birth. They support birth center birth, um, hospital birth. Ep, you know, birth with an epidural, C-sections, like we're there for all of it. We've seen it all. Um, and yeah, I think that's, especially in the hospital setting, it's so important because you're so unfamiliar with the terrain and, you know, a doula is someone who has been there and understands the medical lingo and can translate for you and understands, you know, what happens when you get an epidural and what that, you know, not necessarily physically what that feels like, but um, I personally haven't had an epidural, but I have the knowledge around uh, complications or, you know, the risks and benefits of it and when it might be a really great time to use it as a tool um, that we can kind of like ease you into that environment in a way that you still feel, you feel knowledgeable about the process and like you have a voice and can make informed decisions about what's going on around you. Absolutely. And I I couldn't agree more with you that a hospital birth, whether planned or not that way, because sometimes home births might end up in a hospital and everything like that. But I think having that advocate, um, because I know our systems are a little different, but I think it's common here as well that women sometimes will experience interventions that they really, really didn't want. And I'm not saying, oh, that all the doula is is a gatekeeper. I'm just saying that because what you had just talked about, they have that very, very good knowledge and they know that hospital. They know probably a lot of the people, A. And then B, they know your birth plan. They know your partner if you have one there. They know everything that you really are hoping for. So they can really put those things together to make it the best possible experience for you no matter what goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think gatekeepers are really, a really good word for it. Um, because we kind of like, we're an extra barrier that just kind of slows the process down. I think a lot of times when interventions are happening that, uh, birthing people don't want, it's because things are moving really quickly and we're just an extra layer as well to say, first of all, we don't speak for our clients, right? Like I'm not there to make those decisions for you. I'm there to say like, Hey, let's hold up. Remember how we talked about, you know, this process of decision-making for this medication or an epidural or whatever the case may be. Do you want to take a minute? Do you want to like, we can leave the room and you and your partner can chat about how, how you want to move forward. And it just kind of slows the process down enough that you don't feel so overwhelmed in the moment to have to make decisions that don't feel good to you. 
So I think that's, yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of it. And then also, um, and this is at home birth, but also, also definitely in the hospital is ritualizing the experience. So, you know, um, like you said, where you feel, felt like you were kind of getting out of your groove, um, and your doula helped bring you back into like breath work. That's a huge part of our job is just, you know, keeping, keeping breath work on track. Um, but ritualizing and getting folks into a ritual that like gets them out of their head and back into their body. I think that's, that's also a really key piece of what we do. Absolutely. I was curious to ask you as well, as we mentioned in the beginning, it is a bit of a weird time. And I've thought a lot over these months past about the experience of childbirth and how this pandemic is affecting it. Because I would hear stories about, you know, partners or support people not being allowed in hospital rooms. And it just broke my heart a little. And I wanted to ask you about how birth has looked a little different and then maybe on the positive side, what's, you know, stayed the same. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It is a weird time to be giving birth this year. I mean, it's a weird time for everybody, but especially for parents. Um, And things have gotten a little bit more relaxed in terms of uh, policies and regulations for folks birthing in hospitals. Um, Most places, all places that I know of, at least here in the area, are allowing definitely one support person. So, you know, if that's your partner or a doula, there are a few that are allowing a second support person. So if you have your partner with you and you also want a doula, um, you can make that happen, but not all of them. And I think that's, I mean, that at this point where things have kind of leveled out a little bit, you know, or we're getting more used to this new normal. Um, that's, that's about where we're at is that most places you can get a, a second person in, but not always. And I would say my advice there is because you absolutely deserve to have folks at your side, you know, like you, you should not have to birth alone. Um, you should not have to birth alone in an environment that you're unfamiliar with and an environment that frankly would scare the shit out of me because like nobody wants to be in a hospital right now. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I would say my biggest piece of, of advice there would be you're the consumer, right? Like in all of these cases, you are the customer and it is the hospital or midwife's or birth center's job to answer to your needs. And so I tell my clients, like, you know, even if you're birthing at a place where a second support person isn't allowed, use your voice, like speak up at every single appointment and say, hey, I really want a doula available. You know, I want a second person in the room. Um, yeah, that's that's the, the biggest uh, tool that I would say you have. Um, and outside of that, you know, if you have the access to choose where you give birth, not everybody has that, but if you're able to choose a place that, um, you know, you feel safer in uh, and that allows multiple people in the room, go with that. That would be, you know, ideally that's what you do. Best option for sure. And have you been doing in your business any kind of virtual type of support? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. And that's, that's a huge part too. If you're in a place where 
you don't have access to any partner support, you can hire a doula to like work with you virtually. Um, I'm offering virtual prenatal consultations right now, um, postpartum planning, birth plan building, and um, birth story processing as well. And that's all virtual. Um, but I also, you know, if you need a doula and you can't have anybody else in the room, we'll FaceTime. We'll, or, you know, or you can text me 24 seven when you're, you know, it looks different, but we are able to pivot there in a way that I can still be accessible to be your support person continuously through that process, um, through the phone. It's not as fun, but like, it's still, it's still tremendously helpful. Absolutely. And just to have that option available, I think is huge. And just for women to know that, you know, the old adage where there's a will, there's a way, and there's women like you who are doing these amazing things and offering these services that can help you even in this weird time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then as far as uh, the only other thing I'd want to add for kind of birthing in 2020 and with COVID is, you know, caring for your immune system. Um, That's a, that's a big one that's tricky when you're pregnant um, because, you know, you, it's not advisable to be taking like big uh, immune supplements and stuff like that uh, because your body's immune system actually weakens when you're pregnant to make sure that you're not, your body doesn't recognize your baby as an outside pathogen, right? And so we don't want to be taking immune boosting supplements specifically because that kind of just messes with the balance that your body has so carefully and intricately laid out. Um, but making sure that you're resting as much as possible, making sure that you're hydrating, making sure, um, really it just comes down to like rest and, and stress management, I think, but those are, that's really important. And then also making sure that you're planning for the postpartum. Um, I think, you know, you said like you wish you would have hired a postpartum doula. And I feel like that is one of the most common things I hear from women when they recognize that that's a thing. (laughs) They're like, oh God, that would have been so helpful. Um, And especially right now, I think that's just key to success, not necessarily hiring a postpartum doula, but planning for your postpartum. Uh, It's just so critical because we don't have access to our village in the way that we used to. You know, you can't just have the neighbors stop by with a meal to check on you or, you know, have your elderly parents fly across the country to take care of you or, you know, things, our options have become limited in that way. And so I think planning ahead of time is really uh, imperative to, to kind of planning for success. Absolutely. And setting, like you said, setting that mom up for success. And really that means setting the baby up for success in their first, you know, months on this planet earth. So very important. And I tell everyone I come across that I wish I hired a postpartum doula. And like you said, not everyone's going to have access to that. And we're not here to say you must have a postpartum doula or you're fucked. I'm just saying, like we talked about earlier, things you can control talking to your partner if you have one about who's going to do what uh one of my most recent guests talked about doing the meal train so you can arrange that in covid times right they can't come sit and eat the meal with you but you don't really want visitors anyway right you don't need those visitors in the beginning so making sure you have that set up before those are all things Mm -hmm. that are free just takes a few people to help you out (laughs) yeah 100 percent. and i think i mean with new parents, like all of the 
all of the emphasis is put on the pregnancy and then baby's here and we're like, all right, good luck. See ya. <laughs> like, best of luck to you. Um, but when we can plan for the postpartum in a way that, uh, yeah, that sets us up for success, I think that's huge is uh, checking in with your partner, uh, really checking your expectations too, really like, you know, digging down to see what is, what do you think parenthood is going to look like for you? And maybe discussing that with a doula or a postpartum doula um, and, and talking about like, okay, this is what I, this is what it looks like. Right. And, you know, um, or other moms, you know, other friends, your mom, other mom friends to talk about kind of checking those often unrealistic expectations that uh, society provides us with. And then we're, you know, uh, if you don't check those expectations, I think that that's often a recipe for disappointment and huge frustration with ourselves because we have this idea of what it's supposed to look like and we're not meeting it. In our head, we're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing a good job because this sucks, like, or this is hard or this, you know, whatever, whatever you're feeling. Um, but yeah, so I think checking our expectations beforehand, checking our expectations with our partners recognizing that, you know, if you have a a partner in the situation, your whole dynamic is going to change. Like, um, and understanding, especially one of, I I love working with partners too, because I feel like they don't understand, really understand that it's real until baby's there and that's postpartum. So they're dealing with all of the kind of, kind of hormonal shifts and, uh, reckoning with like, oh shit, I'm a parent at the time that you're healing from a major physical event and, you know, you're in the midst of postpartum, postpartum hormones and stuff in the way that you've had nine months to start to reckon with this. Um, and so I really love working with partners uh, in the prenatal period as well to like kind of get them set up and, and ramped up. So they, they know what's coming. Um, and they're feeling good about parenthood too. But yeah, checking your expectations about what does your relationship with your partner going to look like now? How does your family dynamic look different? What is sex going to look like? Um, when is sex going to happen? How can we communicate better so that you're a strong family unit who's uh, who are building each other up and supporting each other through the process, I think is huge. And then, um, and then food. Food is such a big one. The meal trains, yeah, the meal trains are a lifesaver. Um, most most doulas, most birth doulas are are used to setting those up too. So if you you know if you have a doula, you can reach out to them and say, like, hey, can you? Here's a list of my contacts. Can you set something up for me so I don't have to worry about it? Um, prepping food beforehand, uh, understanding what things are really good for the postpartum mom, what kinds of, what kinds of foods, what kinds of supplements. Um, that's, yeah, that's all really, really helpful. Absolutely. And things like you said that you can control, like we were talking about and do beforehand that will help you. (laughs) And food is key. I always say to everyone too, if they aren't familiar with, you know, new parenthood, I always tell them to bring food. bring food. These are my rules. Bring food. Don't stay long and do some, do something for the, do something. So like take it. I remember my sister, I'll never forget these things. She like took the garbage out for us as she left. 
mm-hmm. because you just do not have the fucking time to be thinking about that. But then you will start being stressed about it if it's not happening. So yeah. And I think, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think we, I mean, it's hard not to get really excited about a little, like a newborn, right? When you, you know, you have a friend or a family member who has a baby and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see the baby. Hug the mom. <laughs> First rule, like if they like hugging, hug the mom. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't stay long. Do something to help. Like before you get to hold the baby, you better wash some dishes or, <laughs> or make a meal or put the, you know, put the water on for tea. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think our culture, we get so wound up about the baby and we forget the mom completely and we leave we leave families in a space where they feel like they have to entertain when they're in the midst of postpartum, which is just like the last thing they need to be doing. <laughs> the absolute last that made me cringe. Like my body was like, ugh, because mm-hmm. I remember and not to throw shade at this friend of my partner's, but he came just to give you the picture he came over to visit the new baby see the new baby at around I want to say you know evening like after dinner time I'm exhausted I mean it was like three weeks after so I'm real effing tired and he stayed for like two and a half hours at one I ended up like bursting into tears and being like I want him to go it because it was so so much and he is the loveliest person but he just didn't know And so I think looking back, really setting, like we talked about having those conversations with your partner before, um, if you have one, because they need to be a bit of that gatekeeper as well. I I feel that, you know, maybe you decide that 30 minutes is your max for visits for the first two months or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. just know that that is totally okay for you to set that boundary and get on the same page so that you know, it's like, it's quick visits. They want to come see the baby. Great. And then bye. Yeah, put a sign on the door. That's what I do. I make signs for my clients that say like these are the house rules. <laughs> you know, that. it's there before they even enter the house. You don't have to have a conversation about it where you like feel like you're, you know, laying down the law um when you're in the you're in your bathrobe and the nurse and the baby. Um but it just kind of sets those expectations so that when you do have visitors, they understand understand the rules and what is best for you and best for baby. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Again, another, that's free to do. Make yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, write it on a piece of notebook paper. Say like, you know, 30 minutes max, do some dishes, take out the trash, hug me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So before we get to the lightning round here, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the amazing work you're doing with women and how you are really here on this earth to empower women and show them how magical they are. It's just amazing the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. It is my joy. It lights me up. So I'm happy to do it. (laughs) I can totally tell you're meant to be doing this. And um, I'm also so grateful for you for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah. Thanks for chatting. This has been a lot of fun. So fun. Okay. Lightning round. You ready? Let's go. Let's do it. Save book. Okay. So either the subtle knife, which is, uh, the golden compass series from Philip Pullman, uh, that I've read like five times, or if it was nonfiction braiding sweetgrass by, uh, Robin Kim. Damn. I'm going to forget her last name. Just look <laughs> up braiding, braiding sweetgrass. That's a good one. Awesome. Favorite drink of choice can be like alcoholic or not. Hot chocolate and mojitos. Mm, 
I love a good mojito too. They're so damn good. Uh, <laughs> on a patio, extra mm-hmm. mint, mm, delish. Mm-hmm. Favorite podcast right now? Um, I really love medicine stories. Um, it's uh, all about kind of divine feminine and herbalism. Uh, it's with Amber Magnolia Hill. Um, and it's, it's been going for a while, but I kind of like catch up with it every once in a while in spurts and it's just like super dreamy. Amazing. Okay. That's a great, I hadn't heard of that. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Look it Uh, up for sure. Fave TV show or movie? Uh, the West Wing. Uh, so the, the nineties, it's like, uh, nine seasons of, uh, political white house drama, which, uh, hearkens to like calmer days, but I, I love that. That's, <laughs> I feel like it's like a classic cause I've heard of it so much, but I haven't seen it. Um, but I feel like now's the time to go back to some of the classics because I mean, Netflix be running dry up in here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's definitely, and you kind of get that like '90s film vibe. It like it looks different, but it's kind of it's it's fun. I enjoy it. Love that. Uh, favorite place you've traveled to? New Zealand. Uh, I spent like three months backpacking in New Zealand, and it was phenomenal. It looks beautiful. I've never been, but all the pictures I see remind me of BC a lot. It's weird. The province I live in, it's like very similar. Yeah. It's really. It looks. Yeah. Beautiful. Now that I'm on the West Coast, I need to actually get up to BC. I was there as a kid, but I haven't been back. And anytime I see like pictures tagged on Instagram and BC, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's so pretty. (laughs) And it it just reminded me that it is, it does look a lot like New Zealand. And I have been told that Canadians are often like New Zealanders in their kind of like spirit and behavior. And I'm like, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the Kiwis are a lot of fun, but so are Canadians. So yeah, definitely. (laughs) So if you could jump on a plane tomorrow, can't yet, but we will, where would you go? I'm actually gonna, I wrote down my answer. I'm gonna revise it. I would go see my mom. (laughs) Um, But if it was international, I would go back to Iceland. Um, went to Iceland with my dad when I was 18 and it was just like an incredible experience. So beautiful. Um, so I would go back there or I'd go to Vietnam, which is one of the places that I haven't been yet that I would love to explore. I haven't been to Vietnam or Iceland and both I would love to see. Iceland just looks stunning, like the natural beauty. And then Vietnam, I feel like there's so much of the culture there that I'm really curious about and would love to explore too. And the food. Oh, um, yeah. oh. Here, here for the noodles, man. <laughs> oh. uh, do you have a good Vietnamese scene in Portland? You know, I don't know. No shade to the Vietnamese restaurants that I do frequent, but... No, like we haven't found, and we just moved to a different area of the city and we have not found uh, our go-to Vietnamese place yet. It's all been kind of bland. So we're, okay. yeah, if if any of your listeners uh, are in the Portland area and have recommendations on Vietnamese food, hit me up. <laughs> Let me know. I love Vietnamese food too. And we're very spoiled in Vancouver because it has very good cuisine from pretty much everywhere in the world so we're very very spoiled and lucky so I have a couple yeah. good couple good Vietnamese places I frequent as well <laughs> yeah that's it's critical to have those in your pocket definitely <laughs> okay final question so something that I'm very passionate about is teaching women about confidence and so in your world to me confidence is what helps those 
mamas to be decide what they want for their birth and have the confidence to, you know, say, this is what I want and stand, stand in that and feel good about Mm -hmm. that. So for me, confidence is really everything. Uh, what does confidence mean to you? To me, confidence means knowing yourself on a really intimate level, which takes a lot of practice um, and a lot of work, a lot of deep diving into parts of yourself that you might not like that that much. Um, But when you really, really get to know yourself and then you are able to tap into that knowing of yourself and like we talked about before that, that deep intuitive wisdom in yourself and you clear your throat chakra and you're able to speak up about it. That's what confidence looks like. Absolutely. I love it. So powerful. Well, thank you so much, Genevieve. Where can you, Emily, you're welcome. Where can everyone follow along? Absolutely. Um, come hang out with me on the gram. Uh, it's at emotional support dot witch. Um, or you can find me at uh, www.supportwitch.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook if you search the Emotional Support Witch, but most likely to find me uh, on the gram. And I would love to meet virtually meet all of you. Um, and yeah, come hang out and chat. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for, again, the amazing work you're doing and for taking the time today. It was so, so great chatting with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.